learned, right, where society has developed and learned, we adjust, if we're very honest, we adjust our faith. So maybe you began life, I'm just looking through the kids in the room. Okay, good. Maybe you began life believing in Santa Claus, right? Uh, or, or you have faith, you know, you have faith in the Asian way. The Asian way is the best way. And then you, you hit some point in life where you're like, oh, mom and dad, you know, I don't know if studying hard and I don't know, whatever the Asian get cheap deals for food, like, I don't know if that's the way of life. And then you, you, you doubt the Asian way. And then, and then maybe one day you have kids of your own and you're like, oh yes, the Asian way now, back again. And then you're like, yes, my children, you know, whatever it is, as you go through life, in, we, in this life that we live by faith, we're constantly adjusting what we have faith in and what we don't have faith in. It's changing. It's, it's shaping, right? And so let's be clear at the very beginning of this sermon. No matter what our faith level is, no matter what we put our faith in, our faith level doesn't actually change the thing that we're believing in. It's just our moving faith level over time. So there are some things, let's call them, I don't know, truth, reality, whatever you want to call it right? They don't change. Truth and reality doesn't actually change based on whether we believe it or we don't believe it, whether our faith level is, whether we're disillusioned with it, like, I'm so disillusioned with the sun, you know, you know, it's still going to come up tomorrow. It's still going to be there, right? And so sometimes um, there, there are, you know, there's some laws of physics that, that they apply, even though you don't know what the, you don't have faith in your calculations, you don't, you don't understand it fully, right? So there are some things where the faith level you have don't, doesn't really affect the thing itself. But not all things. That's why I said some things. Because there, there is, you know what grows depending on how much faith you put in it? Lies. Lies grow depending on how much faith you put in it. Lies, you know why? Because lies by definition break from reality. They break from truth, right? And so then once you've divorced or broken off whatever it is, and it's a lie, let's say, right? Then it's kind of fictitious. So you can like, you can make it grow, you can make it shrink, you can increase its value, you can increase its value, because it's no longer tethered. It's not like the sun or the ground that you walk on, right? It, it's, it's, it's made up. It's a lie, right? It's made up. And so then the more people who believe this made up thing, and the more um, you embellish it, the more you feed it, it's not just that your faith level grows, the thing itself grows. Uh, probably the, um, the easiest way for me to explain that to you, and, and I'm glad I'm preaching in this modern environment where there literally are made up things like currencies or 
NFTs or, or whatever else it is. There are literally made up things of which we know they're made up. And their value increases the more people believe that those things have value. We, we, at some level, we all, every single one of us understand. I know it's not, sounds like a complicated concept, but let's just be really clear, right? Some of these made up things, they change in value over time based on how many people believe it. But not the sun, surely, None of the, sun, the sun doesn't get bigger because the whole planet now believes in the sun. The sun's the sun. But it's easy to do this, side, this, this change once you divorce yourself, once you split yourself from truth and reality. All right, so I just want to understand that because it's easy, you might confuse New Testament faith. You might have walked in today and go, oh man, I'm here at church and we're hearing a preacher talk about Christian faith. You know why Christianity needs believers? You know why Christianity? Because if there weren't any believers, Christianity wouldn't be true. And the thing is, Christianity, the faith that we have is actually, it's not the way it's presented in the New Testament, the way it represents the world is actually not in the category of made up. So whether you believe in Christianity or you don't believe in Christianity, whether you believe Jesus Christ is Lord or not, it doesn't affect whether Jesus actually came to earth, whether he actually died and rose again in our real world history. Christianity is a faith that has been anchored in, built in to our real life. And that's not all faiths. There are many faiths out there that are theoretical. They've got stories, their ideologies, this philosophical thoughts around it, right? And you can't place it in real history because it's a concept. It's a, it's a mantra. It's a, it's a philosophy. It's a way of thinking. But Christianity is not just a way of thinking. It is very much embedded into our real world life, which is why the New Testament has been verified, tested. You've got non-Christian authors referring to the, the things that have happened in the New Testament. That's why a lot of the New Testament is just the telling of historical accounts. You've got the book of Acts, how the, the church you know, made it all the way to Rome, and then we know what happened when Christianity made it to Rome, and we're all transformed. Like We're talking about transformation and things that have happened in our history and in our world that have shaped it today. So at some level, regardless of whatever you believe about Christianity, there is a real element to Christianity. Whether you believe it or not, it's literally shaped our world. So it, uh, and so I just want to make that really clear, right? That the way the Bible represents faith is not as a thing that can then, where the object of it grows or shrinks based on what you believe. Instead, the Bible represents faith as truth and reality. And it basically says, hey, these are the accounts of things that have happened. This is who Jesus is. This is what's happened. And you should believe it. Because this, and I know you don't know everything in life, so you have to like take it by faith, but you know, we all live by faith in something. 
right? You take it by faith. But it's not an unreasonable faith. It is a reasonable faith. And it is based on reality. And so the Bible presents it to us and says, hey, these things, it can be tested. These things can be relied on. That's why I want to encourage you to actually read through the Bible. Let's go through a quick... Um, so anyway, today I'm going to try and give you a, a bit of an overview of what this word is. Faith. Uh, in Greek, it's called pistis or pisteo. It's the state of believing on the basis of the reliability of the one or the thing that is trusted. So you can place your faith on anything. Uh, you just believe in it. You, you, you trust in it. Right? It's based on the reliability of the thing that you are trusting in. You know, there's a difference between how we use the faith, the word faith now, versus how it was originally used in the New Testament, which is what we're reading through this year. Back in those days, faith involved every part of a person's life. So it was so different back then, you know, when you're living in those times where there were guilds and then there were deities that were uh, patrons of the whole city or of the country. And it, we can't even really imagine it now because back then, faith was not just like a, a part-time hobby or something that you're like, um, you know, I, I need to improve the spirituality of my life or whatever it is. No. Their whole lives were spiritual. Their whole livelihood, their well-being, and everything depended on their gods. You know, we say now, oh, come on, let's put God in the center of everything we do. They never said that. You know why? God was already in the center of everything they did. They prayed to their gods for rain. They prayed to their gods for prosperity. They looked to their gods for love and life. They looked to their gods for what to do next. Like faith in those times, when, when it was written, faith was all-encompassing. They believed or had faith in their gods for all kinds of things. Faith wasn't something that was compartmentalized. You know, and this was the context that Jesus was speaking to when he was speaking in the New Testament, right? He was speaking to a whole bunch of Jews. I tell you, uh, the Jews in that audience, their faith was not compartmentalized. Uh, I'll give you a, a great example. Sabbath is the great example of that. Today, Sabbath, and maybe some of you, you know, observe the Sabbath, so you're like, hey, I'm not going to work today. Hey, today's the Lord's day. My faith is so important that I'm going to take one day of the week. And then for most of us, that is just two hours at church on a Sunday. And then maybe you're checking your work emails. And then you're doing all kinds of whatever things, right? That, that's us compartmentalized, right? Oh, hey, I've, I've, I've done my faith, I've Sabbath. But back in those days, and to some extent, some places... Um, in Israel even right now, Sabbath was enshrined in law. People don't work on Sundays. Shops don't open. You can't do, there's a list of things you can't do on the Sabbath and there's a list of things you can't touch. It's so embedded into the whole ecosystem of their everyday life. And so when the Bible talks about faith, it's talking about faith in that context. Not as like this add-on in your life. 
Not as this thing that happens just at church on the Sunday or, you know, or, or my faith is Christianity or my faith is... No, it's your entire belief system, your whole worldview. It's how you see the whole world. It's how you live your whole life. It bleeds into every single thing that you have. The problem... Actually, so because we tend to compartmentalize, you know, like, okay, uh, we tend to go like, oh, faith doesn't enter politics. Faith doesn't touch my money. Oh, maybe on the edges. Faith doesn't touch my career of choice, right? I choose where I'm going to live and where we're going to raise our family. I choose. My Faith does not get involved with who I love and fall in love with. Faith does not get involved with what I do for fun. Faith is just for Bible studies and for Sunday. The problem with that kind of thinking is that we are just fooling ourselves because it's not that we don't have faith it is that we don't have faith in Christ for some of these things and that we're putting our faith in something else so we're just fooling ourselves by saying, oh, you can stay in this compartment, and, then, and that's my faith. No, your faith is actually all of life. And so those parts that God is not involved in your faith, uh, that you've kept your faith in this little box, that all those other parts of life, they also have faith. You're also trusting this person that you have fallen in love with and you've got, you've got faith for that. You're also trusting in the country that you've chosen to migrate to and live in. You're... you're it's still faith. Faith is still involved in every single part of your life. All you have done is put God in a section of your life of faith because we all live lives of faith. That's why Jesus tells this parable that we sang at worship. We're all building a house. You realize we're all building a house. And this house can either be built on the rock or on sand. But the analogy is, we're all building a house. And so faith becomes very foundational. Faith is not this add-on that you, oh, here's another room in my house that I'm going to add faith. You know, my, my life's pretty full, but I want to make it richer so I will incorporate a faith journey into my life. Oh, I incorporate some faith. In, oh, I, I think I need to have a bit more spirituality or whatever it is. No, faith is actually, just as Jesus' parable says, it's the rock of the sand. It's the thing that you're building your worldview, your belief system, your actual thing that you're placing your trust in, your house is trusting its foundation. So faith is actually a very foundational concept. Uh, let's look at, look at this, this verse here. In Hebrews 6 verse 1, uh, this is how, like, it, in fact, it's so embedded into the foundational understanding of the congregation that, that uh, the author of Hebrews is writing to, that he actually spends his time in the letter talking about other things. Right? And he says, therefore, hey, you know, let's just leave the, you know, the basic elementary doctrine of Christ. Let's go on to mature. Let's build the rest of this house 
Let's, 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 let's have a great house. Let's do all these other things. Don't, don't worry about the foundation. Not laying again. Let's not go back over this very foundational concept again of repentance from dead works. I mean, it's like, hey, God, sorry for the things I've done, right? Let's move beyond that and faith and a faith towards God. What does that mean? That means faith towards God, faith in God, it's not one of those things that you add on later in life when you're, oh, now I'm a mature Christian. I have faith in God. It's not. It is elementary. It is foundational. It is at the very core. And you get that wrong, you might have a very pretty house. People might think you are a great Christian. You might have it all together in life. But my goodness, something is off center with the ground you're placing your whole life on. Faith is a state of believing on the basis of the reliability of the one trusted. And so I'm not going to spend the whole sermon, right, talking about why God can be trusted or why our faith is not an irrational faith or ridiculous faith, why it's, uh, you know, you've got a whole year for us to be looking at faith and and, and you've got people around you who have had journeys of faith that can testimonies that they can share, right? In fact, if you want something practical, there's Alpha. It's literally starting on the 23rd of February. So I don't need to go through a lot of the foundations of who Jesus is, the Bible. I want to encourage you to, even if you've been a Christian for a while and you're just thinking, oh, you know what? The foundations of my faith, I'm not really sure why. I, I, I don't really have it all I don't know it well enough. Can I encourage you to do Alpha? We've had a whole, we had like 50 people go through Chinese Alpha, Mandarin Alpha. We were the first in Australia as an English church that did Mandarin Alpha. I sat through the whole thing. I can't speak Mandarin. The thing is the best. It is so good. So two reasons. One, it is a great cultural fit. So the illustrations and the examples fit our value system and our culture well, even though it's in Mandarin. But I think the second one is most of us in today's modern life, we do these things where we're listening to people, but our eyes are on a phone or a device, right? Yeah, and you're like, hey, hey, you know, I can hear what's happening. But then you're like, you're leveling up your game or you're, you're, you're messaging your friends. But what happens that's what I think. That's why people like Korean dramas, right? What happens when you have to read the subtitles is you go there, and then now you can't understand anything that's being said. And so you're like, oh, i got to pay attention. And so everybody, like, I looked around. Everyone's, like, looking at the screen because they're reading the subtitles. And it actually helps you to absorb the information better. So we did a survey of the 50 people, most of whom can't speak Mandarin, and they voted that we would do the Mandarin one again. That's how good it is. So if you haven't done it, I want to encourage you to do it. You can sign up on the hub. Okay. Great. Also, there's a Christian education doctrine of the church. Great. All right. How do we get faith? If faith is so foundational, right? Oh, man, you will build our life. How do we get faith? And the Bible is pretty clear on that. Faith comes from hearing. That's how we got faith in the first place, even if it's not Christian faith. When you were a baby, you heard about the world. 
Your parents talk to you about stuff. I don't know, your teachers, your friends, they told you about things, right? And so faith, uh, when you don't know something, it, it, you grow in your faith uh, by hearing from either other people who've done it or hearing about stuff that you're not an expert in, right? Faith at some level comes from hearing. And then Romans gets more specific about that and says it comes from hearing through the word of Christ. In fact, we heard uh, uh, Dr. Scott Harrower explain when he did the book of John. Um, the book of John begins, and the, in the beginning was the word. It basically introduces Christ as the Word, the Word of God. So that's why some versions actually go, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the Word of God. It's from the Word. Um, you get in Hebrews uh, 5.11, it says this, about this we have much to say. It is hard to explain, but since you have become dull of hearing, Sometimes what can happen is if faith comes from hearing, if faith comes from hearing, and then we find ourselves in a place where our faith is not strong, it might be because we have become dull of hearing. You know, we have an audiologist uh, uh, in our church, and I was actually, he's not here, but I was going to invite him up to do an audiologist special, right? But he said something uh, an audiologist, someone expert in ears, right? Um, he said something really interesting to me. He said, one day I'm going to lose my hearing. So, you know, like, right? And he was going, did you know that hearing is different from sight? Because when you lose your sight, you're the first one to notice it. People don't notice it, but you notice, oh, I can't, I can't really see any, it's getting a little bit blurred. When you lose your hearing... You don't even notice it. Other people notice it for you. So you think, oh yeah, I'm hearing everything fine. It's like, whatever. You said you were like, you love me or whatever it is. No, I said I hate you. I hate you. You know, and then so the other person is like, I'm very clear what I said. You know, have you ever been in these houses where people are just like shouting from the toilet? What did you say? What did you say? It's because, it's because when you lose your hearing, actually when you become dull of hearing, you don't realize it yourself. And then the, the environment around you notices that you're dull of hearing. And so what then happens is you can be a Christian and you haven't heard the word of God. You're not hearing the Word of God. For years, you're not reading the Bible. You're, you, know you're, you know it. You're like, ah, but it's okay. You know what? My hearing is fine. My hearing of the Word of God, brilliant. We're all good. And then you come across somebody, and you're like, why do you believe this? Why do you live your life like this? And you're like, oh, I don't know. This is what God's Word says. This is what, how I'm going to live. And they notice that your life and your house is like veering off. You've like... You're not hearing correctly. You're not listening to the word of God. But you think, I'm fine. I heard everything okay. But what's happening is as you grow older as a Christian, you're getting more dull of hearing. Dull of hearing. You know, every day, every day, you're constantly hearing things. 
Yeah? Hearing is what we do all the time. The more you hear something, whatever it is, whatever the thing is, so whatever the thing is, the more you hear something, the more you're likely to believe it. That's why it's actually really dangerous to be constantly on YouTube. Now, I don't know if you've met people who are like, they don't, they're not in contact with other people, they're not, right? And they're constantly, their entire source of information about the world and life is what the YouTube algorithm feeds them. That's why it's dangerous to, to constantly be relying on hearing WhatsApp forwards, Facebook videos, TikTok influencers for your understanding of how the world works. It is better to listen to things that are trustworthy and true. And the Bible is true. It's powerful. It's historically attested. It has got more views and has had much more influence than any single video that you could ever watch. And you can see its fruit ringing through time and history. Every day, when you talk to your friends, you're listening. When you tune into the news, you're listening. When you're hearing the voices in your head, and when you're hearing things in your heart, you know what you're doing? You're listening. You're listening. And you know what? You're building faith. You're building faith. Of what kind? I don't know, but you're building faith. You're believing it more and more. These voices in your head, it's shaping your belief system. It affects your self-image. You're like, oh, I'm useless, I'm useless, I'm useless. Okay, I'm listening to that, I'm listening to that. You know what? Over time, that's your belief system. That is actually what you really believe. The thing that you hear, wherever it's coming from. It shapes what you think of yourself. It shapes how you view the world, how things should work. It shapes what's valuable in your life. And the big con in our world today is, hey, you can listen for free. What do you There's no cost. There's no cost for you to listen because all these things that are talking, 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 they are free. They're free. They're not free. They're not free. You're paying for it with your entire belief system, value system. Found, you're, you're, you're giving up the foundation. And so I can't emphasize enough that you need to be hearing the word of God. There's like, there's like no shortcut to it. The Bible is so clear on it. Like you, Literally, everybody's building a house and you can build a house that is on something that is true and solid, or you can build your house on something that's fluid and changes over time. Right? And so, I just want to be really clear. When you read through the New Testament, this is what it will tell you about faith. You know, for some people, they can't even go a day. You can't even go a day without hearing and hearing from the word of YouTube, Facebook. The idea is, that you can't go a single day, like man shall not live by bread alone, but from every word, right? From God. Okay, so scripture says that real faith, so let's go back to this, right? So we know that faith broadly comes from hearing, but real faith comes from hearing the word of Christ. Um, I, 
I uh, did a lot of research for this sermon. You know, I really like Spurgeon. He's got this one quote that I, I, I love. I, I usually find, so this is Spurgeon saying, speaking, right? I usually find that the greatest doubters are the people who do not read the Bible. Holy Scripture has within itself a mighty convincing power. Why is that? Because you can test Scripture. It, you can find, you can apply the things of Scripture and find it true in life. It can grow your faith. And when men lie a soak in it, that means when you soak in Scripture, you read it, you hear it, it soon penetrates into their very souls. And a man says, I cannot believe, and yet he does not read, he does not hear about the very thing that is to, believe, to be believed. Like, what is that? He keeps out of the way of it, and yet it says, and yet says to people, well, I can't believe it. So you're like, I can't believe the Bible, but I've never read the Bible. Right? If there is something in the newspaper, so back then, you know, he didn't have smartphones, right? But if there's something in the newspaper today and you feel compelled to say other people seem to believe it, but somehow I can't believe this thing that I'm reading, I'm unable to do so, I should be very glad to believe it. I want to believe it, but I can't. So you read something, you're like, I, I want to believe it. Everybody else believes it. I can't. What would you do? What would you do? you would read the statement again. You would refer to any other account that would be likely to confirm it. You would candidly examine the whole affair to see whether it was true or not yet. So you would, you would go, hey, I want to believe the Bible, but, uh, you know, it seems unbelievable. And then what you would do is you would check it out. Yet how few, how very few have thus come to the Holy Scripture itself and virtually listened to Jesus himself and have gone away and still said, we do not believe. What, he said, what he's saying there is that if you take the time to hear the Word of God, if you take the time to examine this holy, inspired scripture that has been passed on for generations, that stands on its own unlike any other book in our human history, you will find it passes the test. Faith comes by the word of God reaching our hearts, our minds, our knowing, and our understanding. So, um, God's word builds faith. So here's a practical step, right? Hey, turns out, you know, our whole church, we're doing a Bible reading plan. We're like, hey, okay, great. This is so foundational. This is our year for firm foundation. Let's just not talk about it, right? Let's actually put this thing into action. And I, and I understand it'll take some of us a while to develop new habits and to kickstart, but we really believe that this will be so helpful in times of storms that are ahead. We're gearing up and we're re-looking at our firm foundations this year. Okay, um, let me give you one tip really quickly. If you want the, I, I thought really hard about how I could give, I'm trying to give tips every week, but if you want to get onto the Bible reading plan, I'll help you today. If you could just get out your phone right now, if you have a phone with you, and just answer these questions, or just write it somewhere on your phone. Tomorrow, tomorrow, when are you going to read the Bible? Just like, it's okay, it's okay, just... Just pick a time right now. When? When? When are you going to read it? I'm like, okay, you know, 9 o'clock in the morning, whatever, audio on my way into work, whatever. Just write when. 
right? And just, just decide. Right now, decide when you're going to read it. Then write where you'll be at that time. I'll be, I'll be in bed. I'll be sitting in my toilet, whatever, right? Like, when and where tomorrow. Don't worry about, like, every other day of the week. Don't worry about, don't, I'm just trying to help you get started, right? So tomorrow, if you're keen on reading the Bible, when are you going to do it? Where are you going to be? So you just write these things down in your phone. And here's the next thing that will really help you. What's the reading plan passage for tomorrow? Do you know it? It's Matthew 8 and 9. Right? So just write that down. Just write it right now. Just go, okay, hey, tomorrow? I don't need to, like, look it up, forget what I'm going to look. I don't know what I'm going to read. I have no idea, you know, where do I turn to the Bible? It's okay. Matthew 8 and 9. You could also read other books, other things, right? But if you want to, like, we're trying our very best to help you along as you kickstart this foundation of Scripture reading. So now I want to spend the last sort of 10 minutes, and I want to wind down on this um, applications of faith, okay? So we know how it is developed in our life. It's developed through hearing, but not just any hearing, hearing from the Word of God. That's why we spend a lot of time talking about the thing. But did you know that, you know, maybe you grew up and you're hearing the word of God, whatever it is, you used to hear it, whatever, right? Did you know that every now and then you need to test and use your faith? Just like uh, we regularly, I'm sure we do, regularly test all our wires uh, in, the, in the music ministry or we regularly test, you know, our car to make sure it, it, it's functioning and we, we take it for servicing, we, we use our car, right? Our faith needs to be tested and used because one of the big questions that we face, the fundamental questions that we face as a Christian is, is our faith genuine? Do we have real faith? Or do we have a fake faith? Because our whole house is anchored on it. So it better be the real thing. And so uh, I'm going to go to one of my favorite passages, which you've heard me you know, talk about for a really long time. But uh, 1 Peter 1, 6-7 says this, In this you rejoice, though for now, for a little while, if necessary, right, you've been grieved by various trials. But why? Why? So that the tested genuineness of your faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The tested genuineness of your faith. That's just one word in Greek. Yep. What is this tested genuineness of faith? It is this thing that is more precious than gold. Because, like, back in those days, you could have people with, like, fake gold, fake coins, and they're actually worth nothing. So when you test when you test the coin, when you test to see that it's genuine and they have to melt it, they have to do all various tests for it, right? And they find it to be genuine gold. It's like very valuable. Very, very valuable. Your faith might actually be useless if it is not genuine. And you, yourself, might never know the answer to that question. You might never. You might spend your whole life going to church, going to Sunday school, go to youth group, raise your children, you know, godly way, whatever it is, and you might never know whether your faith is genuine. That's why it's so precious. That's why it's like, my goodness, I really, really need to know. And so every now and then, we need to test our 
faith. That's why um, in James it says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. So then let endurance have its perfect result, you know. Uh, just, just wait, 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 so that you'll be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. You, you, when you read through the New Testament, you'll discover so many men and women of God in the Bible, they get their faith tested. They get their faith tested. Why? It's good. You want a tested, genuine thing. You don't want an untested thing that you're not sure of. And so when testing comes, the biblical approach is, man, now is the time to make sure my faith is the real kind of faith. And you can tell because the not real faith, it burns away really quick. You end up saying things like, ah, I've given 10 years, 15 years of my life to God, and now I look, I've lost my job. Well, then maybe you were placing your faith in other things because God hasn't changed yet. The testing of your faith, if it was genuine, you'd go, I've lost my job. God, I still trust in you. God, I need you now more than ever. It tests the genuineness of your faith. Uh, um, and then finally, I want to sort of end with this. I know it's a little bit ridiculous, but um, uh, we need to, the Bible is very, very clear that we need to fight the good fight of faith. We need to fight the good fight of faith. And I want to end today's sermon because we cannot just have a tested faith um, in calm times. You can't. The Bible talks about us fighting the good fight of faith. In fact, he goes, as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Which are all this like love of money, all these other stuff that earlier on in the, in, the, in the chapter, right? Flee these worldly things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Did you know that our faith is supposed to be battle ready? battle ready. That means we have to have the kind of faith that when troubles come, we are ready for a fight. Ready for a fight, right? Your faith needs to be battle ready. And okay, now this is where it gets a bit ridiculous and I for a long time tossed up whether I should do this at the end of a sermon. I probably should have done it at the beginning of a sermon, but I've been preaching for 20 years now. 20 years now, and I've never used a gaming example or showed a video around gaming. Most of you know I play a real-time strategy game called StarCraft II, right? Um, in fact, this was, my, uh, this was my birthday just last year, right? These are the guys you can, right? Um, I don't have battle experience. So the closest I come to being battle ready is to give you an example, right, of this computer simulated real-time strategy game that I play in. Apologies in advance if I stumble you, right? I'm just trying to 
keep it as real as I can. I know a lot of you kids like play games and whatever, right? So here is a video of a moment in one of our most epic games that we're still talking about today, right? Where a battle took place and the other team, which was the other team opposite from me, I think it was like dads versus non-dads. You got multi-generations here, right? Anyway, the other team, they were like winning. They were like, okay, let's, let's, let's just, okay, let's stop there. Right, okay, 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 just pause, 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 okay, great. Okay, so you have, like, just, just bear with me one minute and we'll close the service. It'll be very memorable, trust me, right? Okay, so if you don't understand StarCraft, right, this is this really big team with lots of people, lots of soldiers, right? On the, on the left, this, this, these guys, they're the bad guys because they're on the opposite side from me, right? Anyway, we were losing. We were losing the whole game. We thought, ah, oh, it's all over. Anyway, so they come in. They're testing to see if they're battle ready. And our forces are on this side. And this is our entire army. We've got like nothing left other than this. We're like, we're going to die. This is it. We're going to die. And then Chris Tan, he's like, Bam! And so then we'll watch the video, and what he does is he does these like lightning storms or whatever it is, and then let's just watch this whole video, right? So on the left side, this is the army, this huge army. Bam! They're like, oh no, let's fight, let's get it! Bam! Like lightning! Right? There's like lasers flying in, let's get these guys, let's get these guys! And then suddenly their whole army is like, whoop! It's gone, and our whole army is still there. And Chris is like, wait, 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 wait. Anyway, when it came time for the fight, when it came time for the fight, when it came time to be battle ready, we saw an outcome. There was an actual outcome when the fight happened, right? And I want to, I wanna, uh, if I could just end the sermon with this, right? There's actually going to be a fight coming. We're going to have to be battle ready as Christians. And it doesn't matter whether you're looking around and you think, oh, yeah, I am the better player. Oh, I've got the bigger army. Oh, I've got like, we're so far ahead. It doesn't, it doesn't, really, doesn't really matter. It matters when you're fighting, can your faith be relied on? That means you're doing the prep beforehand. That means you're hearing the word of God. That means your soul, your assurance of things hopeful, your assurance is so strong. My hope is in Christ. My faith is in Christ. My life is in Christ. It encompasses every part of my life, and it is the foundational nature of everything I do. That is what the New Testament talks about when it talks about our faith. So I want to I end today with a bit of an altar call, if I could. I invite the worship team. Oh, cool. Um, I just want to end because I want to put a spotlight on our faith. I think we've got a real opportunity to renew it, to grow it, and to get it ready for battle. We're just at the start of the year. We're just at the start of the year. How, maybe it's time we test. Check out your faith. Just look under the cover. What are you hearing? How strong is your assurance on the things of God? Um, and I want to 
invite you, if today you want to make a commitment to renew your faith, to strengthen your faith, or maybe even you've come here and this is your first time hearing about Christianity, but you, you want to make a commitment towards faith, I want to invite you to stand up today as we do this song. And it's just between you and God where you're going, hey, I need to hear more truth in my life. I need to hear more of the Word of God in my life. I need to trust God more in my life. And maybe that's why God brought you to the Sunday service here today. Because your faith needs a looking at. Because like I started at the beginning, over time, your faith will like you are, you're going to adjust your faith all through your life. You are. As you grow, you're just going to keep adjusting your faith. And today, I'm hoping that it would be a day that you adjust your faith towards more faith in Christ, the keeper of promises. Father, I pray for each person now as we end the service, I pray that as we stand up, that you would see our commitment, that you would build our faith that we would grow in reliance on you and your steadfast promises and your unwavering faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you just stay with us for this one song before we close?